Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star NBA champion. What's happening, Karan? Hey, what's going on, family? How are you? Uh, not much, man. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, it's finally here, Karan, the NBA playoffs, man. Oh, that's what you was talking about? I thought you that's were about what... to start the show off talking about Beachella. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to be. What, Did what you see talking... Beyonce last no, night? Didn't. No, I didn't. You Goodness. Know what? You know why? Because I, I don't care. That's that's why. Bro, you got to care. It's the greatest performer on the planet. I would. Okay, I'll give you that. But uh, didn't... I, I was watching playoff basketball, man, from like 3 I was PM. too. I know, but you, you, you. Check it out. Hold on, hold on. Let Beyonce <laughs> have her moment. She's the only singer out there that can chew bubble gum and walk. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? She can sing, dance, and not miss a step. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Hey. Hey. All right, all right. Wa- all right go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I- I'm, way, I'm way too white for that. I'm, I'm way too white to be to be doing that, man. You, you haven't seen. Like, you ever, see, uh, you ever see the movie Hitch? Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, uh, I'm Kevin James dancing in Hitch in the beginning. That, that's me. Like, that's, that's what I got. That's, that's the best I got. Or like, uh, what was it? Uh, knocked up when they're doing, they're doing the dice thing and knocked up a little bit too much. That's me too. I don't really have a lot you of. You still uh, go to the dice world? I go to the dice. I do a little, a little the dice move. That's my go to too. 
<laughs> All right, we got that in common. Perfect. We found we found uh, even ground. But uh, watched a lot of playoff basketball. You, you've been in the playoffs a lot of times. Your career. You know, when you're a young player making their playoff debut, like the 76ers were last night. I mean, how different is it, Karan, in that first postseason game for a player? I, I think the intensity of the game is to the highest level. So you're trying to control every emotion in your body. And and still perform at a high level, so it's 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 tough. You know, I I said the phrase chew bubble gum and walk, and it's tough to have that that dialed in focus, and also, you know, be dialed into exactly what you need to do, because you can get like off trail, you can get uh, you know, you can get off form of your flow and your rhythm, and that's extremely important because as you go, you know, the guy next to you gonna go, so they need everyone to be you know, on the string offensively and defensively. And you saw a lot of young guys that really performed at a high level yesterday. I was shocked. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's, what made, it's what made the Philadelphia 76ers win over Miami that much more impressive. We're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into everything we saw uh, yesterday. We're going to talk to Ray Allen, too, the two-time NBA champion. He's going to join the show about 15 minutes from now. He's been making the rounds recently. Got a new book that came out. Also, he's, you no, know, not to bury the lead, but a Hall of Famer and uh, be inducted uh, this fall. But, Karan, I want to jump right in with something that you and I have gone back and forth about lately, and, and that's Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard uh, is injured, is not with the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs got whooped uh, yesterday afternoon by the Golden State Warriors. Probably going to get whooped in four, maybe five games at most. The Warriors look great. We'll talk about that, too, uh, later in the show. But you and I have gone back and forth about whether Kawhi Leonard should push himself to get back into these games. And I defer to you on this one when you say, like, if a guy's injured, you know, he shouldn't play. You, you can't, it's one thing to play through some pain. It's another thing to play injured. And I respect that. What I don't respect about Kawhi Leonard is he wasn't there yesterday. He wasn't with his team yesterday. And I've been hearing whispers, Karan, and mostly it's from people outside of the Spurs organization. Maybe it's wishful thinking on their part. I, I put that caveat out there. But I've been hearing whispers about maybe Kawhi Leonard quit on his teammates. This to me, and you you can tell me what your read on of it was, this to me, by not showing up game one playoffs, you don't even show up and sit behind the bench. Steph Curry was sitting behind the bench. He was hurt. You don't show up. That to me is a pretty significant sign that you quit on your team. I, You know what? I'm waiting to see what happens in game two. And most importantly, what happens in game three? Is there a, a, a outside chance that he possibly shows up and play in the series? Or is there a situation in which he was at something due to his uh you know, his rehab or he's just dialed in on getting back to a hundred percent where he's in New York? The Spurs organization knows he's in New York and that's what it is, or is he in San Antonio getting his rehab done and that's what he's committed to, getting back healthy. Because if you're if you're a hundred percent and committed to, you know, getting back to full strength and you're not on the sideline and you haven't been on the sideline uh for some time, only pretty much for the home games, uh, that's something that if that if that's an understanding with the Spurs organization, then we as, you know, viewers from the outside just have to deal with that and and and, and respect that. So as long as they got the, the proper understanding, I don't have any problem with it. But it was glaring not to see him yeah. in the back of that bench rooting his guys on. 
if you were his teammate, and look, you're right, there's a lot we don't know, but what we do know is that Kawhi is still not, you know, doesn't feel like he's all the way back from this quad injury. Uh, the Spurs, they've medically cleared him, but they're deferring to him on on when he can come back and actually play. If you're his teammate, don't you feel a little abandoned to some degree? I mean, don't you feel like he should at least have been there? I mean, these these NBA teams, Karan, you know this, they've got training staffs that, that are, are in three, four, five guys deep. If he was rehabbing, he probably could have done it with the team out there. And if he was even close to coming back, wouldn't he want to be around the team? I just, there's a lot of this I don't understand about Kawhi. He, to me, he has some explaining to do. He is going to, somebody, whether it's him or the team, needs to explain why he wasn't there. Well, it's, it's well documented that he has independent doctors and an yes. uh, independent team that's separate from, separate from, uh, just uh, the, the the San Antonio Spurs. So with that being said, it's going to be different. It's not going to be something that's conventional. And, you know, he was mis- he was misdiagnosed. He was misevaluated. And um, he chose to go another route. Now he's probably with his team and with his people. So, like I said, it's it's just an understanding thing. If Pop know where he's at, if the, if the organization know where he's at, and it's an understanding, it's like, look, I'm going to be at the home games or whatever, but best believe with all all this, you know, uh, this this conversation around him not be, be, being behind the bench, he's definitely going to be behind the bench, if not game two, definitely number th- game three. Well, I mean, game three, they could be down 0-2. And, like, it, you know, to me, and, and maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but to me, Kawhi Leonard, with his, his depth of knowledge on defense – could at least have offered up some some insight sitting behind the bench. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have been impactful in defending Kevin Durant or slowing down that Golden State offense, but he could have been, you know, kind of an assistant coach on the floor. I just, you know, I, I unless he was actually receiving necessary treatment in New York City or wherever for this quad injury, to me, there is no excuse for him not being there. And I've gone back and forth. I've vacillated here on whether this this situation with Kawhi and the Spurs is repairable. And this, to me, was another check in the column of it's not repairable, that that Kawhi doesn't want to be there and that this is going to ultimately end in a divorce. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what it's been gearing up and seeming like that's the momentum of the ultimate end game for this situation is that it's, it's gearing up for, uh, uh, you know, pretty much a ugly divorce in the summer. But, you know, I don't want to rush the judgment on that because we're, 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 we're all we're doing is speculating. Like, we're understanding, mm-hmm. like, look, we're, look, why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he on the court this season much? Why? Like, we don't know. Like, it's answers we don't know. The, the Spurs hold everything close to their chest, meaning that they're not going to let us into that space to understand the, the, the real behind the whole story. And then also, Kawhi is a guy that, don't don't really talk much, yep. you know. So he's not gonna you know comment too much about anything. He's just like, look, I'm rehabbing. I'll be back when I can, and that's it. If you were his teammate, though, would you want him there? I would want him there. I, I definitely would want him there. I would definitely want him there supporting. Uh, you know, when any any time I ever got injured, whether I broke my hand or mm-hmm. you, you know I tore my patella tendon, you know I always was behind the bench. I was I know, you know pushing my guys on and. I was trying to be as a big a 
big of an asset to the team and to the organization as I possibly could. And, you know, I just wanted to finish my job. But right. guys are different. You know, guys are different. Yeah. All right, we'll talk a lot more about this uh, a little bit later in the show. We'll talk about the Warriors as well, the way Golden State got off. Maybe the uh, reports of their demise may be uh, greatly exaggerated. 877-996-6369 is the phone number, 877-996-6369. We'll take a break a little bit early here. Uh, Ray Allen, two-time NBA champion and future soon-to-be-inducted Hall of Famer. He's going to join the show next. Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Karan Butler. Just a couple minutes, we'll be joined by Ray Allen, the former uh, NBA guard, NBA Hall of Famer, two-time NBA champion. Has a new book that's out there right now. Is making the rounds. Delves into a lot in that book. The relationship with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Of course, Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo, Karan, played well last night. Pelicans. That was the big upset. I thought Miami was going to knock off Philadelphia. And then in the first quarter, looked good. But uh, didn't quite work out that way. Good game for for New Orleans and uh, the win over Portland. But let's check in with uh, Ray Allen. He joins us on the line right now, the former NBA guard, NBA Hall of Fame, be inducted uh, this fall, uh, uh, two-time NBA champion, NBA All-Stars. New book is From the Outside, My Journey Through Life and the Game I Love. And, Karan, one thing I don't think you know about Ray is that back in the day in Ray's younger years, I used to kick his ass way before games it was, you, it was you, embarrassing you for Ray. You can't introduce my big brother, Hall of Famer, like that. I'm just saying, <laughs> I've known Ray for a long time. That's how I. That's, yeah. that's my first memory of Ray. Come on, Chris used to come onto the floor. He used to rebound for me. I'd be there early, and I used to give him the business. <laughs> I'm already I'm doing business, and I give him a lot of credit because he got me going early. So thank you, Chris. I was I was a lean six one hundred and sixty pounds back then. I'm telling you, I could uh, I could d up uh, anybody. Uh, Ray, let me go ahead, Karan. You got you got to take the credit right there from that. He's saying you tuned him up I to the fact where he got into a great rhythm, where he was able to go along and have a Hall of Fame career. So you got to take a lot of credit for that. Like I helped him get a rhythm. I know before me, Ray was just an average jump shooter. That's uh, I kind of. I pushed him in that draft. Thank you, Chris, and run with it. Thank you, and run with it. <laughs> uh, Ray, you've, you've been on this kind of book tour now for a couple of weeks, uh, done a lot of media on this. Let me ask you, the reaction to the book, uh, the book tour itself, has has it been what you've expected? Uh, I think it's been more than, than I've expected. Uh, you, when you finish playing, like, we're such a bubble while we're playing, that when you finish playing, you just don't realize how much of an impact that you have on people's lives, not just the people around you, like in the city, but all over the world. Like as I've traveled, like I, I, I'm translating the book into uh, Japanese, Chinese, and Polish. And the only reason that works is because people there want it. And the publishing companies out there, uh, I know they have been wars over. So it's crazy to me to know that, you know, as I've gone out to these different cities so far, and people have come out and, you know, they've loved us. Um, what I've done in my career, now they want to know, like, behind the scenes, everything that went in. And, and, and come on, I say this to you, Chris, definitely you as well, but we all have our own story, and it's important that we all write that story down, whatever it is, because what happens is, too often, if we don't write it, somebody else is going to write it, they're going to write it from their perspective, and then we lose sight of our own history. Was there a part of this, of your story, Ray, that was difficult to write as you as you went through different parts of your life and chapters of your life obviously 
most people that know your recent career want to read about the Celtics breakup and going to Miami. But for you, what was the most difficult part to write? Uh, yeah, it certainly was difficult. Uh, one is very therapeutic uh, because you get to make amends with uh, certain things over your past. Uh, one example, I always uh, kid Russ Bingston from Slam. He's not at Slam anymore, but he wrote uh, that I was going to fade into obscurity um, uh, in '96, my '96 draft class, and he just he just threw names randomly up there, and I was talking about the story, and I told him for the first, I said this in the book for the first couple of years i was so mad at slam and then after i started growing up a little bit i realized that was one of the things that motivated me so there's a lot of things like that in the book that that i, I try to point out to people that kind of propel us forward like that that it motivate us and inspire us and it's never really the good stuff it's always the stuff that somebody said negatively about us or something bad that you had uh happened to you in your life and you just realize how bad you want to be successful, and that's why you fight harder. And that's kind of the thing that, you know, going through this book, going through the past years of my life, what it allowed me to understand is that everything that I went through was for a reason, and that's why I have no regrets. You know, every person, every individual, every team, like it was just, it got you to the next stage of your life. So, I, Big Bro, I see the forward was done by Spike Lee, and I know that you have a long-time existing relationship with him from the movie He Got Game and – Beyond that, any reason in particular why Spike Lee written the forward and why you reached out to him? Uh, well, he and I have uh, great history, and he was really, um, you know, he got game was so pivotal in my in my growth early because it taught me how to 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 be more uh, emotional. Uh, it, it just character wise, I always say that in order to become a better basketball player, you have to become a better person. And, like, they pushed me on set. You know, my acting coach, Spike, and I had to do things that made me so uncomfortable. And so every time I think about anything in life, anywhere I go, somebody calls me Jesus. You know, that's who I am to a lot of people in the world. And I remember on set, Spike saying, your character's going to be Jesus. And I was like, like, why would you name your character Jesus? I can only imagine how that's going to play out. But he just was so... Uh, pivotal, pivotal. Sorry, in in you know how this game took shape in the basketball landscape and, and in my career. So it just seemed appropriate to have him write something uh, to to jump the book off in the beginning. So uh, it was it was for me it was very prophetic uh, for for him to be there and uh, be that integral in my life early. That's amazing. Just you know, congratulations again on the the Hall of Fame and. You know, where were you when you found out that you was officially in? Oh man, I was uh I was actually in the middle of the book tour and I had been running around New York City trying to make different uh interviews and, you know, uh radio stations. It, it was crazy like you know, if something was happening in the city where I felt like I was five minutes behind and I was running around and uh, you know, I had to do uh iHeart radio and I was in the station all day long and I had to, I must have did sixteen interviews, sixteen twenty interviews, and I had to catch a flight at one forty five. So I knew that the Hall of Fame was going to call me and let me know if I made it or if I didn't make it. You know, between twelve and one, and I was on the way to the airport, LaGuardia, and um, my family was with me, so and they knew that I was going to get a call, so they tried to stay with me, but I had to catch my flight. So I leave them, say goodbye, get 
walk through the gate, airport, security, and then I go to the bathroom, and then I walk out of the bathroom, and I look at my phone ring, and I'm like, damn, I missed a call. And so um, they call me back, and uh, I'm sitting there now, and I'm sitting at a little seat in the, in the little restaurant. The guy tells me um, from the Hall of Fame, he says, you've uh, been inducted to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a very private person, but I also like to be, you know, around the people that I know and love. I love to joke around and play, and I'm a, uh, I'm a very jovial person. But I had nobody to share that with at that moment in the airport because you know how it is in the airport, around when you're moving around, you try to find your little corner and just kind of hide out in it. And uh, it, it, was, it was like one of the most joyous moments because I could celebrate with them, but I couldn't celebrate uh, outwardly because that's all the people that I knew and loved, I couldn't be around them at that moment. So that's kind of where I was. That's special, man. That's special. And, and, and one of the things that, that jumped out to me as I, I'm, I'm, I'm skimming through the book, uh, it was a moment you talk about in 2003 where you arrived to Key Arena in the Antonio Daniels story. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so uh, it for most people who don't understand uh, like the rhythm of professional sports, uh, in order to be good at what you do, you have to uh, you have to have a routine, and your routine has to be on point because your routine is going to develop other people's routines, or it's going to throw people off one way or the other. Uh, the games change, whether you're home or on the road, it changes, but you cannot change how you do your job, and so. I was just so used to being everywhere at the same time, doing it the same way, and that way I knew what my body was going to be able to produce. So there was never any um, guessing when I went out on the court. I knew what my physical abilities were, what I could, what my output was going to be. And so with that, I would get to the arena at the same time every time. And uh, this particular time, uh, I would park in the same spot. And this particular time, I pull into the arena, and there's a car right there. And I couldn't believe, I'm like, who in the hell is in my parking spot? Now, <laughs> my, my name is not on it, but it's just I'm there so early, I just always took that first spot. And, you know, you're talking like, you know, we're like 40, 50 games. Of, you know, something that small threw me off. And I go into, I knew whose car it was, and I go in, and Antonio's in there, and I don't know what he was doing and why he came that early, but... You know, we jo- I joked around, but I was serious about it. I was like, man, why are you parking my parking spot? And um, needless to say, we, we played the Knicks that night, and I scored 40. And he told me, and I'm parking your spot again next game. <laughs> uh, and we laughed about it, but he understood my point. You know, we laughed about it. It's not that big of a deal, but it is, because this is what we build our lives and our careers on, is being able to be consistent, do it every single day. And that's part of uh, one of my reasons for being we're talking to Ray Allen, the uh, NBA Hall of Famer. His new book is From the Outside, My Journey Through Life and the Game I Love. He joins me here on us here on the Chris and Caron Show, Fox Sports Radio. Ray, um, the, 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 the situation with the former Celtics there, when, when you left, did you anticipate that the relationship would deteriorate to what it became in the subsequent years, or did you think it would be better? I, I didn't have any expectation on what it was. What I did know was that I didn't expect uh, any any vitriol uh, coming from them, like, going forward. Like, I just assumed that, you know, we were still brothers and the respect was still there for who I was because I hadn't changed who I was. It's just I'm on a different team. Uh, so it was evident first game of the season when I went over to give uh, KG Pound that he uh, 
he acted like as if I wasn't standing there. So I, I said, okay, cool. Well, I mean, I get it. You know, I'm on another team. I know, you, you know, you don't, you don't mess with me no more like that. But then it just, as, it, as the years went by, like it was so much, you know, talking, you know, I was hearing everything, how I'm not invited here and I can't go there. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, you'd have thought I did something, you know, harmful to the, to these dudes, you know. Uh, it's just crazy to me because I haven't even said anything about it the whole time, and I still respect them. I still cherish our time that we spent um, in, in Boston and haven't won a championship. That, to me, is what all that matters. You were familiar with the dynamic in that locker room. How much of that kind of vitriol do you think was led by KG, by Rondo, by Pierce? How would you divide that up? Um, I that was, that's a question that you have to ask those guys. Obviously, you you'll never get down to the bottom of it. But mm. you know, once I once one of the things about me in that locker room was, you know, everybody knew uh, how much of a uh, you know a, a character KG was on the floor, and uh, Paul and Rondo and um, and Big Baby and and Perk and everybody like we had we had some dynamic characters, and so uh, oftentimes during games my my personality i was always you know just kind of very mild mannered when i when i was on the floor so it it worked out because you know i was always cool and a lot of things didn't get underneath my skin and that helps in the locker room like when when kevin is going to a thousand you know paul's somewhere in there rondo somewhere in there but i'm, I'm always like everybody let's just do what we gotta do let's chill out let's relax and let's focus you know so that's kind of like when you have veteran players in the locker room for young teams, when you have a group of veterans, whatever it is, you always got to have those personalities on your locker room, in your locker room, that when things kind of get excited, whether it's on the court or in the locker room, somebody can always bring you back down. Because the thing about this is we're playing a game, you win or you lose, but when things go a little funky, somebody's got to be able to say it's not personal. Let's just focus and get better and, and work towards the next game. When was the last time you talked to KG? Uh, I have no idea. Been that long? Yep. Wow. Uh, before I let you go, Ray, uh, the you, you retired at at you know you were still playing really good basketball. Why didn't you ever come back for that one more season? Uh, well, after. 2014, we had, uh, you know, most of the team, LeBron went uh, to Cleveland, and, you know, the team kind of broke up, and, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't looking great for, you know, uh, the prospects uh, in Miami, and then, you know, the other teams, was I going to move uh, to another city and try to make it work and move my family, and you know, the, the possibility of winning a championship, you know, it, there were so many things up in the air. And I had, there were a lot of GMs asking me, was I willing to come play on the, on the team, but, you know, play a vet role where you sit on the bench and help the young players. And I was like, honestly, I'm, I'm a great team player, but I don't know if I'm willing to do that because I know when I come, I'm coming to play and I'm going to put in, like I'm going to over-prepare to be ready on the floor. So, yeah, I, there was just nothing. Nobody ever said anything to me that enticed me to to get off the couch and come and play for them. So I just, I just stayed fat. Hey, big bro. Um, yeah, I just, I, I truly want to thank you for coming on the show. I mean, I reached out, and you know, I just want the listeners to understand this true brotherhood that we have, man. I reached out one time, told you that I needed you. He was like, "See anything for you?" 
I just want to say that you always been the standard, you know, for, you know, UConn University and just, you know, uh, a guy that everyone looked up to from the way you conducted yourself on and off the court, the way that you handle adversity, the interviews and everything. You're just always straightforward and direct. I appreciate you, big bro. Thank you. No, I, Karan, I thank you for having me on. And you, you know, you're my brother, and uh, you asked me for something, and you know, I'm going to do everything I can to, to facilitate it. Uh, you know, these guys, everybody, this league, uh, we've been given something that we have to cherish, not only just in basketball, but in life. You know, think about the struggles that Martin Luther King, uh, uh, Bill Russell, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Jim Brown, all these guys that came before us that 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 had to deal with, you know, uh, uh, disruptive America, and still couldn't even eat at a restaurant, you know, in, anywhere in the city. Like we don't have to deal with those same obstacles. You know, we have our own obstacles now, but we got to make sure that we look out for each other. And it's not just a black and white thing, but it's just uh, making the space that you're in better. You know, pulling somebody up, helping somebody out. Because the thing is, I'm retired now. I can't do anything physically anymore for the game, but I can help people. I can encourage them, people. I can motivate them and inspire them to be better. And that's all of our responsibilities. You know, we have to set our egos aside and do what we can for the next generation because the next generation, they're our difference makers. You know, we, we, we got to grow these kids up. Now, you look at Parkland, we got to grow these kids up so they can affect change for a better America, you know, the league, the NBA, we want to have a great NBA so we can make more money as a league. You know, that's now that's our responsibility as vets. So I, it was my privilege to be able to see you come through UConn and do what you've done and have a great career. So now it's your turn. I mean, I, I, I wanted talk. to have I wanted to have Gabe Pruitt on. I mean, I was that was me. Like I, I thought you were a very <laughs> average player, you know, right? Just, he's uh, out there. He's waiting for you just, to call him, Chris. Just saying, just saying, just saying. <laughs> hey, Ray, congratulations on the Hall of Fame, on the book success. Always great to talk to you, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Carl. Anytime, All bro. Right. That's Ray Allen. His new book is From the Outside, My Journey Through Life and the Game I Love. All right, a lot more to get to, but first, let's check in with Ilo, see what's going on out there. Good morning, Chris and Karan. We begin in the NBA, where today's playoff action tips off at the top of the hour as the Celtics host the Bucks in Game 1 at 3.30 Eastern. LeBron James and the Cavaliers face the Pacers. That'll be followed by the Jazz visiting the Thunder and the Rockets hosting the Timberwolves. One other note, the TV ratings from yesterday's opening day of the NBA playoffs were the highest for the first day of the playoffs in five years and were up 17% from last year. NFL Eagles cornerback Daryl Worley was arrested this morning in Philadelphia. NFL media reports Worley was found passed out inside a vehicle blocking a road at Broad Street and Patterson Avenue, which is right outside the Eagles practice facility, and that he was arrested when he became combative with police who tased him with a gun being recovered at the scene. The Eagles said in a statement, quote, we're in the process of gathering more information about Daryl Worley's arrest this morning, unquote. Finally, three Major League Baseball games today postponed because of weather. Yankees-Tigers in Detroit, Cubs-Braves at Wrigley, the Blue Jays game at Cleveland. Last night, the White Sox game at Minnesota announced that it was postponed today as well. So a rough weather day across Major League Baseball. Chris and Karan, we go back to you. Hi, right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, coming live from the Geico Studios here in Fo- on Fox Sports Radio. Karan, uh, let me ask you this. You played in Oklahoma City. Did you know the radio broadcaster, Brian Davis? I did. 
you know, the controversy that Brian has been uh, engulfed in lately is that during a game, uh, last game of the regular season, uh, Brian was on the, the the play-by-play there, the commentary, and Russell Westbrook made kind of a, a bad play, and uh, Davis said that Westbrook was out of his cotton-picking mind. Now, we know what that uh, evokes, uh, certainly from, from some people, and uh, Davis has been suspended for uh, one game as a result of this, what did you think of the comment? You know, knowing the man yourself and and the punishment that was uh, leveled by the Thunder. Hey, hey listen. Uh, first and foremost, I, I know him to be you know uh, uh, a really really great person. You know, um, had numerous conversations with him, and you know, know him away from. I don't know him away from the sport. I just know him in passing and had you know some great conversations with him. Mm-hmm. However. You know, when you make reference to things, you have to be extremely aware of, you know, the pulse of our environment, the pulse of everything, and understanding that when you're identifying players or making references, you know, certain things just can't fly. And, you know, you could have just said, you know what, that was a bad play. But out of your cotton-picking mind, there's certain things you just can't say. You know what I mean? And you have to police yourself from it. Now, like some people say, hey, listen, it doesn't mean that because this is the true definition of it. I'm telling you what it sounds like. And, you know, it sounds uh, it sounds bad when you make a reference to a player or a situation about a play or anything that happened when you're, you're attaching that phrase to the player. It, it, it sounds extremely bad. Let's play the audio from him. He's actually the TV play-by-play man for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Here he was in the last game of the season describing a play made uh, by Russell Westbrook. Steal for Westbrook. Taking the bump. Russell looking for Ferguson in the corner for three. Westbrook is out of his cotton-picking mind in the first half. And he was actually saying it. I mean, I I, 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 I forgot the context of it. He was trying yeah. to be complimentary, yes. which he makes even less sense, I guess. Yeah, it, that's what I said. I, I don't think it was any true malice behind it because no. he's being positive in what he's saying. I, I get what he's saying, but you got to police yourself in that in that, that fact. Because there's some things that I want to say or make references, and then I'll be like, I can't say that. <laughs> that would come across bad. You know what I mean? I, I don't even know, like how that even fits like if you're in a general sense if you use that phrase you think someone's doing something like nutty like russell westbrook was making great plays like that's i i don't didn't really understand the context of it either yeah it was just kind of it was kind of out there but i mean i mean i he he's he's going to be fine i mean going forward yeah. I, i'm pretty sure like it's it's no hard feelings or anything like that but you you have to be aware you know you mm-hmm. have to be aware of things and like I said, everything's touchy right now. You know what I mean, and and, and for valid reasons. So you gotta be you gotta be extremely uh, careful. You think it would have been ten years ago? Would this have been a, a story if he said something like that? Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering because sometimes times the way times evolve and 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 things change. You know, sometimes things are a bigger deal now than they were would have been ten years ago. Yeah, I I think it would have been even bigger of a deal. You know, ten years ago. Okay. Yeah, I, I I think because I mean we I mean we as a society come a long way as you talk you know we just talked to Ray Allen, mm-hmm. you know Hall of Famer Ray Allen and he talked about the Bill Russells and the Martin Luther Kings and all these 
you know, the, the strides that they've made over the years, you know, um, but we still have a long way to go, you know, in, in reference to, you know, identifying people and, and phrases that you use and everything. Not saying that he did a wrong thing right here, but it just wasn't right. And, you know, going forward, we have to, you know, police ourselves and saying and doing the right things going forward. So it was a lesson learned. I think, you know, him being highlighted in this space will, you know, teach others, you know, don't say certain things and be conscious of what you're saying. By the way, you know Ray Allen. Do you think Ray is bothered by the relationship or lack of relationship that he has with his former Celtic teammates? That, listen, I know Ray Allen as, you know, one, uh, as a man and, you know, and and two as a as a great human being and i know that any uh any relationship that you go through or any journey that you go through with someone you're going to be affected because they're attached by that championship and you can't tell the story of basketball without mentioning that championship team and that big 3 and every time you know you talk about it even though it happened so long ago you're going to always have to redress readdress that story so of course he's going to be bothered at about it, but he handle he handles the situation with so much class. You know, he's just like, look, I'm not going to talk down on these guys or anything like that. And you know, I I'm pretty sure in his heart of hearts, he would love to you know be cool with everyone. Just like I think KG and all those guys. You know, that's I mean, we're so we're, we're so much older now in life. I think that you know, as you get older, you appreciate this the the simplest things. And you should move forward. It's Chris and Cron coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save fifteen percent or more in car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call one eight hundred nine four seven auto. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. All right, when we come back, a full slate of games uh yesterday in the NBA, another full day uh today. We're gonna get into that a little bit, including what we saw last night. Big upset in Portland, the late game. If you stayed up late, you saw Anthony Davis get his first playoff win we'll dive into that next chris and karan here on fox sports radio it's chris and karan fox sports radio show brought to you by granger the products and services you need when you need them granger's got your back to help keep your facility running granger for the ones who get it done so karan i tried to go on a limb uh before the playoffs started said that uh heat over sixers took them in seven games i'm not feeling all that confident about that pick after last night doesn't feel good <laughs> you're not feel feeling good. it not feeling it. Not feeling it. What? First of all, I don't know what's more surprising that you know Ben Simmons and even Markel Fultz and the young guys in the Sixers showed up, or the fact that Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside, who is an enigma, didn't show up. Like they were total no shows in Game One of the series. Listen, I, you know what. I think I, I I really do feel like Coach Pop hit it on the head yesterday when he had came out to the press conference and everybody was asking him, like, what happened and what do you do next? And he's like, look, we can't grow overnight. We can't get faster. We can't get quicker or whatever the case may be. And that's what you have with the Miami Heat. They, they, they hung their hat on defense and principles all season long. So now the the scoring is a is something that, they're hindered at. You know, you got Wayne Ellington and you got Dwayne Wade who could, you know, show you flashes still and can be great in moments. But, you know, missing uh, uh, waiters is is huge and mm. putting the ball in dragon hands uh, uh, so much where 
he has to score the ball and facilitate and then pretty much, you know, be somewhat of a, a, a liability on defense. It's just – it's a lot. It really is a lot, and that's a void that I think that's going to, you know, bother them down the stretch. But it is you know, a seven-game series. It, it's incredible watching Ben Simmons play, though. I mean, this is a guy that has no game outside of, you know, 15 feet. Like, he can't shoot it from beyond 15 feet. But he is still – close to unstoppable out there because of his ability to play make because how he plays off the dribble this is a six foot ten point guard out there that carved up a very good defensive team in Miami I tell you what Karan if you had asked me like six weeks ago eight weeks ago whatever it is if if I had to choose between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid I would have said Joel Embiid all day long I'm not so sure anymore like I don't know which one of those two players is going to be the bigger star to me it's almost becoming, and they're, they're different positions, but it's almost becoming a Durant-Westbrook type of thing where you have two guys who are both legitimately have the potential to be top five, top ten players in this league. Yeah, they, they're, uh, Ben is the real deal. And uh, I think that his upsides is it, it, it has no ceilings on what he's capable of doing. Meaning... You know, he's only going to get better. So, like, we're, we're talking about the rookie of the year conversation and we're talking about Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons. I would say Donovan Mitchell had the better season because he led a team in the Western Conference top three. But you look at who's going to have the, the, the biggest impact in the game-changing career, I think Ben Simmons because, you know, he's a pretty much almost a walking triple-double. And um, I think he's a, a generational talent. So it's going to be amazing just watching him for years to come. Yeah, and once that jump shot, you know, get gets going, he he's just going to be really tough to stop. Let me ask you though, because you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell's brought up the point in the last week that you know Ben Simmons shouldn't really be considered a rookie because he's had an entire year to get physically ready, mentally more prepared for the NBA. Do you think the league should consider tweaking that rule so that it, it the Rookie of the Year award is only for guys that are truly first year players? Uh, you know what? I, I think so because, you know, it, it's it's so much attention being brought to it. And and, and let's face it, you're you're all you almost got a cheat sheet when you're traveling and going through the process already and not being a true rookie. Meaning, you know, you're getting a feel of the back to backs, the preparation, the workouts. And Ben Simmons, you know, to his credit, I mean, he he had an opportunity to go around the circuit one full time where he wasn't nothing new to him. And he said it in some of his statements and interviews where it's like, mm-hmm. look, I'm prepared because I had this first year run. Whereas with a guy like Donovan Mitchell, it's it's all shock value. It's like, look, this is your first time being thrown in it, and he's figuring it out on the fly. Yeah, I, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, Blake Griffin won Rookie of the Year after sitting out an entire season. Ben right. Simmons, I think, is going to be Rookie of the Year. I voted for him. Uh, in my uh, my ballot, I, I think that maybe the NBA should reconsider that because physically you're stronger, mentally you're stronger, you're just a sharper player. Yeah, I think that's something worth uh, looking into. All right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. We're going to get back into some of the NBA games from this past weekend, including the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard not there. Big deal. That's next, Fox Sports. Hour two of the show, Chris and Karan coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com. 
for a free rate quote today. Now, Karan, I watched a lot of basketball last night. According to you, you watched a lot of Beyonce last night, so I don't know what we're going to talk about this hour, man. Hey, Chris, I'm going to tell you I can chew bubblegum and walk. That means I, I can do two things. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You had, you had, I mean, you got nicer stuff than me, though. Like, you had one of those big NBA contracts. I'm still looking, you know, on my, I, I still got the rabbit ear TVs, man. You know, I'm still. <laughs> With the I'm A, B button, for, huh? Yeah, I had the A, B button. <laughs> the, uh, yes, yes. Oh, I love that B side. I do love that B side button there. Um, so a lot to get to. I want to talk about last night's games, but later on this afternoon, a, a experiment is going to take place. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they're in action against uh, the Indiana Pacers. The Cavaliers the four seed in this postseason. This is where all the talk finally comes to a head, right? All the people that said, well, when the playoffs come around, the Cavs, they flip a switch, they'll be a better team, they're still the best team in the East. That's what some people say. I'm on the other side of that argument, Karan. I say the Cavs... All their flaws defensively, they are still going to be there. They're still going to be a flawed defensive team. And I think they're going to struggle against Indiana. They probably win that series. But I think they lose to the Toronto Raptors in the second round. Now, look at this matchup with, with Indiana. What are you expecting from Cleveland? Are you expecting that that switch to be flipped and the Cavs to look like a contender or something different? It's possible that the the, the switch that we're talking about could possibly be switched just because you think about what you saw with a championship pedigree team and the Golden State Warriors and what they was capable of doing against the Spurs last night. Now, granted, it's, it's, it's less competition out there from a, a, a personnel standpoint where they have less guys that can create shots, but they they locked down and they, they raised the ante up. You know what I mean? And offensively, they was clicking on all cylinders, and defensively, they was on the string. Now, fast forward to today with the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, LeBron is going to have to be special, which he will be. Um, he's going to be aggressive, and so many storylines in the history between him and Lance Stevenson and um, oh, yeah. Coach Nate McMillan. They're going to they're, they're key in on him to almost to a fault, where it's going to enable like a lot of situations with Kevin Love and others to step up in a major way, and you know it's going to be the tail of the tape, and it's going to be interesting to see who's, who really steps up. You know what I don't like about the Cavs coming into this series is that, you know, look, can they be better defensively? Maybe. But in going with a Jeff Green, Kevin Love front court, to me, Karan, that tells me that the Cavs are basically saying we're going to try to outscore you because Jeff Green is not a defensive player. Kevin Love, we know his defensive limitations, and he's going to be playing five for this team. When I see that front court, that tells me that the Cavs are saying, we're going to try to outscore you 115-110, 110-105, whatever it is. We're going to try to put up 100-plus points every single night and beat you. And look, they can do that against a lot of teams, but in the playoffs, over the course of a couple of months, can you really win that way? How many teams out there, and granted, not every team, in fact, no team, has had LeBron James on it. But how many teams out there can really win when you're not playing high-level defense? Put it, put it another way. Can the Cavs win playing the type of defense they played in the regular season? No. That, that They cannot win playing the style of defense that they have played in the regular season because they give up too many points. And if you're playing that style of defense and just focusing on the offensive end of the floor where you're going to outscore it, outscore people, they don't have the personnel necessary to just outscore people night in and night out. So with that being said, I think they got to really dial in, and they're going to have to dial in even more because why? 
LeBron's going to have to do more from an offensive production standpoint, meaning he's going to have to carry them, like literally carry them through every playoff series this season. You're going to have to see a, a, a finals LeBron James in the first, second, third round. Can and he it, do that? Can, I, can he be that guy? We're about to find out. <laughs> like, he has to be that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, that, that's a lot to ask. I know. Uh, of a guy, especially. At, I mean, look, he's he seems indefatigable, but he's 33 years old and, and is, is going to have to play two ways you know, for 40-plus minutes every single night. Let me ask this about Indiana, because Indiana won three out of four against the, uh, uh, the the Cavaliers this season. But none of those games came before the trade deadline, before the Cavs revamped the lineup and brought in the Hills and the Clarksons and Larry Nance. Um, is there anything that the Pacers can can take away from those games? Is there any kind of confidence they can gain despite not having played this version of the Cavs team? No, I mean, if you that you can shrink the floor, but LeBron isn't, you know, uh, just a driver anymore. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy that can consistently knock down jump shots. So I think what you do is what they did with Dame Lillard last night and they being the Pelicans. You try to keep a fresh body on him at all times. And you tell your guys, like, look, we're picking him up full court. No downhill drives. No, And I know it's easy said and done, but you keep – you just try to wear him down as much as possible and hopefully that he have a human – a human-like performance during the stretch of this series, and you give yourself a fighter's chance. And that's exactly what the Pelicans did last night with Dame Lillard. And, you know, the second half, he caught a flow, caught a rhythm, and he did what Dame usually does. But what happened? They fell up a little, They fell a little short because of he wasn't great the first half as he was in the second half. He was awful last night, Karan. He was awful. 6-23 from the field, 4-9. for nine. That's pretty good from three-point range, but... Uh, played 42 minutes and he was just jacking up shots, especially that first half. I thought he was, I thought he was just trying to force a rhythm in the first half of that game. We know Lillard is great at coming off those high screens and getting you to foul him and 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 taking that quick trigger three point shot. But I thought he was forcing shots and I thought it was putting Portland in a tough situation. And give, I mean, look, give New Orleans all the credit for what they did defensively. But I thought Lillard shot his team out of the game early on in that one. Yeah, he he was trying to stay aggressive, you know, because at the end of the day, right, we, we're we all going to talk about the performance. We're we're gonna all going to talk about the game and what shouldn't have happened. And, you know, the, the, the toughest games for a home team is to protect home court in game one. Those are the toughest games. Like, all the pressure is on the home team because, you know, in a seven-game series, you, you, you want to start the series off with a W. And it's so important to get that first game at home where you can kind of feed off that momentum. Now, now usually, you know, the percentages go down in game two and you probably drop that one, but you go back to their home and respectively, you know, split a series and, you know, bring it back home even and then it's back in your favor. But to lose that first game at home, that is devastating in the series. You know who's had a sneaky great season is Drew Holiday. Sneaky great season. Say that Came again. up with huge defensive plays down the stretch. That block of Pat Connaughton ended the game. Got to dunk that, Pat Connaughton. You can dunk. Got to throw that one down. Drew Holiday coming out of nowhere. All defensive team player. And and Anthony Davis, uh, I mean, he was just he was just a monster. That, that's going to be, Karan, a tough matchup for Yusuf Nurkic. If the, if the Blazers really want to play Yusuf Nurkic for, you know, 25, 30, 35 minutes per game, 
he's not going to be able to match up with Anthony Davis at the five spot. It's just not going to happen. Who can? And and right. and, and what else do you put out there? Like Ed Davis, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, is he is he mobile and agile agile enough to stay yeah. with him? You know, is he smart enough to play away from the basket and get out there on the perimeter where all that real estate is? This because now that's a whole another dimension to Anthony Davis' game, which he's going to hit you with. He's going to dissect you. Okay, now okay, you can body me body me up in the paint in the post. Okay, cool. Let me put you on the perimeter and introduce you to this hip hop. Mm-hmm. You feel yeah. me? Like all this real estate, and you got a big trying to guard Anthony Davis out there. That's why they're so unique, and you got to give a ton of credit to the coaching staff. Alvin Gentry, uh, Ray John Rondo, who's been remarkable with that team. You know, yep. playing that point guard position, and you said Holiday, they they switched him over and put him off the ball, and and playing that two, he looked like the All Star Holiday back in Philadelphia. He's balling. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the play calling and look, I give Terry Stotts and then look, I, I don't, you know, to I guess you don't have to like preface everything with saying give guys credit, but look, Terry Stotts is having a tremendous coaching year, but but down the stretch, I mean, what the hell is Myers Leonard doing in the game at that point? Like, why is Myers Leonard on the floor? Much less, why is he catch trying to catch a backdoor pass when he hasn't played in God knows how long? Like, what is happening there? What is Myers Leonard doing out there? I thought I thought the play calling down the stretch from Terry Stotts a little bit suspect too. Yeah, I mean, it was it was rattled and it was suspect, but it was suspect before a reason because they was playing, you know, desperate and, you know, trying to play catch-up. You know, yeah. like we always say on this show, like, everybody got to play until they get hit, you know, the Mike Tyson phrase. And then yeah. all of a sudden you think that you're going to start off this game, you know, uh, extremely well because you're in Rip City, and then all of a sudden you get punched and you're trying to counter. Like, all that, the game planning is out the window. He He basically had a strategy – and then he had to play catch up, and then they ran out of gas when they got to the point where they actually was down two, and then they had uh, have late game heroics just fell a little short. Yeah, you know, look, I, I sat down with Neil O'Shea, the general manager of the Blazers, uh, late last month, and and one of the things we talked about was, you know, would this postseason kind of dictate the future of this team? Because look, we've been hearing for. You know, a couple of years now that that if you're going to succeed in Portland, maybe you have to break up the backcourt, change up the dynamic a little bit. Now they finished the third seed, tremendous second half of the year. But if they get beat, Karan, by the Pelicans, taking nothing away from the Pelicans, but if they can't get past the Pelicans when they're at full strength, they've got Nurkic playing, you know, good basketball. You know, their bench is pretty solid. Zach Collins has come along. But if they can't beat the Pelicans in the first round, doesn't that say something about what this team is and maybe what it what its ceiling is at some point? Yeah, I mean, listen, the backcourt has been nothing short of remarkable and amazing for the last couple of years. But you still need more things. You still need someone at the three position, someone else at yep. the four position. Like what what they lack is uh, superior depth. And you need that in the Western Conference. Like, okay, if you really want to be a contender, like you look at that that roster on paper, and in the standard and the in the team that you're trying to go through now is the Houston Rockets, the San Antonio Spurs went healthy, and what we mean by that is Kawhi Leonard, and then uh, the the Golden State Warriors. Can they go through any of those top three teams? Can they possibly even beat OKC in a seven game series? Yeah, from a personnel standpoint. So that roster needs to be addressed still. Like, you have to spend money. I know it's Portland, but we talked about at the beginning, top of the show, the game is healthy. 
uh, basketball ratings is up. That means more money for the organizations. That means, you know, you, you have to figure out a way to invest in the team while you got this young wealth of talent right now. Uh, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard, someone I want to get into. Uh, noticeably absent from the Spurs-Warriors game one, not just on the floor, but on the bench as well. How big a deal is that? We're going to dive to that next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. 877-996-6369. So, Karan, here in the studio, I've got the uh, Celtic Buck game, Bucks game on one monitor. Last night, I saw Steph Curry sitting behind the bench in Golden State. Right now, I'm watching Kyrie Irving, fresh off knee surgery, sitting on the bench in Boston, supporting his teammates, there for him. You know who I didn't see last night? I didn't see Kawhi Leonard anywhere to be seen last night. Now, I know Kawhi's hurt. I know he can't play, but come on you got to be there for your teammates, don't you? you know, you got to show up at a playoff game, don't you? No doubt. But where Where is the game at today in in Boston? In Boston, yes. Okay. That's, Wait, is that, that, does that matter, though? Like, does that really matter? I mean, I mean, the game was in, you know, in San Francisco and, you know, uh, it's in the Bay Area and Kawhi's probably possibly in New York with his, you know, his team. Yeah, you know, he has a whole team. Now. Those those first class team. flights, Karan, those are tough. Those are, uh, I mean, uh, the, the meals aren't what they used to be in those Delta flights. I heard, <laughs> I, I heard, I heard the flights was canceled because of what happened <laughs> in Syria. <laughs> they were all canceled. <laughs> everything, everything was shut down. I'm trying to help them out, man. I'm trying to yeah, help them out. You try, you're trying to help them, but why? <laughs> like, I mean, look, I, I like, I like Kawhi Leonard as much as the next guy. I think, and I've talked about this uh, with you with others before. Uh, you know, if if. If he gets on the trading block, he becomes, if he's healthy, as valuable a trade chip as Anthony Davis would be if he was on the trading block. That being said, it's hard to look at this and not say Kawhi Leonard quit on his teammates. Like, just not being there to show up and just support them. Like, I don't know if he can have any kind of impact, but this is also arguably the best defensive player in the NBA. You've got a team that is explosive offensively. You've got a player you go up against regularly and Kevin Durant sitting there. Like, what? why not be there? Fly out there. Spend the time with your teammates. I just don't get it, Karan. Listen, I was watching the game because, you know, I'm so interested in doing play-by-play at some point. Uh, I do it with college. And mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to mute. I had to mute the television. And I, I promise you, as Mark Jackson is talking about the game, he said exactly what I was thinking in my head if I was calling the game. I was like, this is a relatively a, a, a close game right now. When Mano Ginobili hit the shot going into the half, I was like, okay. Uh, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'm looking at this team, and I'm I'm like, yo, all they're missing is me. Yes. You know, but at the same time, I still don't think he's healthy enough to play in the playoffs. I mean, let's face it, he didn't play – pretty much none of the regular season and you know going into the playoffs I don't I don't care who you are you know you want to play at least 10 games or something to develop some type of flow or rhythm before you dive out there into the fire and he wasn't able to do that so you know the the chances of seeing him at all in the playoffs are zero to none yeah look if he's injured I get it if he doesn't feel like he can play I get it I mean look the guy's got a lot on the line over the next year plus I mean he's going to be in line for a 5 year you know you know designated player max contract that's eventually going to pay him 50 million dollars per year I understand all that but How not much? being there 
How much? 50 million million per year, man. That's uh, come on. And and we saw, like, we seen, like, what happened when you say, I'm all in with the organization. We seen what could possibly happen. So I think players are, like, really taking the page out that book and just trying to get themselves right instead of putting the organization uh, first. And I understand that. Look, everybody's got their own business. Everybody's got to make business decisions here. That's fine. It's And don't play. Just be on the damn bench. All right, 877-996-6369 is the phone number. Let's take a phone call here, Karan. Mike in L.A., you're up first. Hey, Mike. Yeah, who are you? I mean, seriously. Like, Kawhi Leonard doesn't care who, are who you are. doesn't what? care about your opinion. And don't try to go shaming him for not going to a meaningless who game. Who the hell is – first of all, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can stay on the line. Shut up for a second. Who is who is shaming Kawhi? Who is telling him he has to play? I'm telling him, hop on a flight and go sit behind the bench like every other injured player is doing right now. Who are you? What What does that matter? Like, who are you to tell anything to Kawhi Leonard? Karan Butler doesn't even agree with you. He's just agreeing with you because you're on air with him saying some stupid and he has no other. Okay, there you go. There you go, tough guy. Wow. Everybody, everybody's a hardo, Karan. Everybody's a hardo out there. I mean, I'm, I, look, I am taking it to uh, you know a, a different level there, but I mean, I, I'm just looking at this objectively. I'm seeing injured players right now. And you're right, uh, the, the guys that I'm talking about at the moment are – uh, guys on uh, home teams, right? So those, you know, Kyrie Irving's there. It's games in Boston. Steph Curry's there. Games in Golden State. But I truly believe, Karan, that if the Celtics opened up in Milwaukee, that Kyrie Irving would be there. If Golden State opened up in San Antonio, I believe that Steph Curry would be there. I mean, am I wrong? Do you think I'm? That's inaccurate. Yeah. You know what? I I think if San Antonio and Golden State open up in San Antonio. I think it's a 50-50 chance that Steph Curry would have been there. And I only say that to say this because I saw him with the the, the brace on yesterday and I saw him going through his routine. And, you know, this this is what people don't understand about the playoffs, right? They're not going to give you full access to all the things that you need access to. Right. Where, where, like, if you need a gym for rehab, if you say, hey, look, uh, uh, you know, Spurs, can we get a gym to get Steph in early? You know, they come like, oh, you know, we're occupied. The, the cheerleading squad is in there early. and <laughs> We got national anthem rehearsal. And so they're not going to give you access to the gym. So if you're the the visitor team, you want to keep your guy in uh, in a situation where you can get the most out of the situation. So keep Steph back in, in, in San Francisco and let him rehab and get right until he's ready to come back. And you think in big picture. So that could be this situation with Kawhi Leonard also. You know, they're probably thinking big picture and and he's thinking, you know, look, let me just get healthy. I can't I can't really help them the way I want to and it's going to drive me crazy being on that sideline and let's face it, he don't talk much anyway. You know, so let's just get him healthy as possible and then go from there. I think the the other part of this though is look, if this was Kyrie or Steph or somebody else that wasn't there, we might not make as as a uh, big a deal about it but it is Kyrie it is Kawhi and this is kind of another layer on everything that's been going on with him like we've been reporting on and talking about a potential divide between Kyrie between I keep calling him Kyrie between Kawhi and the organization um you know this this clearly as you were talking about last hour clearly a disconnect with the injury whether it was misdiagnosed or mistreated whatever it was 
there's something going on there between Kawhi and the organization. So when he doesn't show up for a game like this, it does make you wonder, is this another, is this something else that is 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 eventually going to contribute to a breakup between Kawhi and the San Antonio Spurs? It, it, it might. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably already past that. If I mean we're just from we're we're on the outside looking in and we're this is what we do we speculate right so we just assuming pretty much everything because why because don't nobody know nothing don't nobody know the the, right. the real of the situation so we're just assuming that you know they they're not on good terms or they Kawhi wants out or why isn't he there or why you know well if you were Kawhi if you were Kawhi would you speak on it though like with you're right we don't there's a vacuum of information we don't have. All the information, but if you were Kawhi, wouldn't you like last game of the season between you know between the last game and the start of the playoffs? Wouldn't you like go to San Antonio and have some kind of media veil and just talk about it a little bit? Is that would that have been a good move? That's not his character. But right. I, I think I Believe think me, I know. <laughs> I think at the the exit interviews where every player is obligated to be there and say their whatever about the season and you know going forward. I think that's going to be the moment where you're, everything's going to come clear. The ex interview for the San Antonio Spurs, which could possibly come soon, sooner rather than later, that's when you're going to get your clarity that you want because you get to ask the uncomfortable questions, you know, to the player, um, you know, to Coach Pop, and you know they're going to address it because now it's not going to hinder the team going forward. But right now you can't address that because you're in the battle. You know, so you you one thing you have to focus on the players that's active in the battle, and you got to keep them motivated. And they don't need they they're already against the Golden State Warriors. They don't need anything else to fight at the time. You know, you don't want to fight a battle and then go fight another battle. Like you want to just deal with the battle at hand. Yeah, and look, they'll learn something in the exit interview, and I promise you, in the next you know couple of weeks after the season is over. Um, it'll get out pretty quickly if they're shopping Kawhi Leonard because I already know I, I can count on top of my head two or three teams that are going to immediately call San Antonio and ask about Kawhi Leonard. I would imagine half the teams in the league are going to call and ask about Kawhi Leonard. And if there is a um, if there is interest in dealing him, that's going to get out very very quickly. And this is something I think could uh, start to snowball. Uh, a little bit over the next couple of weeks. All right, we'll talk more about this Kawhi situation after the break. But first, check in with David Gascon, see what's going on. What's up, David? Gentlemen, good afternoon. Um, Chris and, and Karan, I need you guys to pay close attention to this highlight. Okay. Boston and Milwaukee going on right now. Four for the steal and the long lead to Tatum. Tatum steps Throw around it. Middleton and a violent right hand throw down. Came right back at you, Giannis. Take that with your Greek salad. Jason Tatum is awesome. Greek salad, by the way, great line. Celtics Radio Network. Uh, Cedric they, Maxwell. <laughs> they lead early on, 20-17. Jason Tatum so far has got eight points. They have this game going on right now, followed by Pacers and Cavaliers. The nightcap tonight is in Houston. So Rockets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Switching on over quickly to Major League Baseball. Orioles on top of the Red Sox, one to nothing. Manny Machado with an RBI double in that affair. Marlins on top of the Pirates, one nothing. Rays, two. Phillies, nothing. And a couple ball games today postponed because of some bad weather. That includes the Tigers, Yankees, Blue Jays, Indians, and the Cubs, and the Braves. In the National Football League, not a lot of things going on right now, but one incident in Philadelphia. Daryl Worley, a cornerback for the Eagles, was arrested this morning 
around 6 o'clock, and he was passed out inside of his car near a highway. Officers came. They arrested him. Also tased him, too, because he was combative with him. They found a gun at the scene as well. Fellas, back to you. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studio. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part? Figuring out which way is easier. So, Karan, we got a few people who want to weigh in on this debate about Kawhi Leonard. Should he have been there uh, sitting behind the Spurs bench with the team, supporting the team, or does it uh, is this much ado about nothing? Dino in Pittsburgh, you're up next. Hey, Dino. Yeah, you know, I I would think that it would be good for him to be there, but maybe he's in New York giving an ex give an expert uh, prognosis of his condition because I've talked to me with quad injuries. You could potentially have surgery. So uh, okay, hold on, Dina. Hold on, hold on. Like on, on Saturday, like th- that's what he's doing on Saturday. Like it's possible if if he wants, maybe he wants to play quad. I mean, he doesn't say anything, so you really don't know what his mindset is. But it's possible that the doctor in New York is putting him through some tests that may allow him to play. But if he's truly injured, he may have to go under the knife this offseason to get it repaired properly. It's possible. Thanks for the phone call. Karan, that's another part of it, too. Like, it's a Saturday. Like, how many doctors do you know that work on Saturdays? Just, you know, in, in, a, in a regular sense, if there's no procedure needs to be had. Yo, it's crazy you say that because my doctor just told me they come visit him today. <laughs> like seriously, it was a seriously? Thursday that I had a I had an appointment Thursday, and I said, "Look, I can't make it." He actually told me to come in Sunday at three o'clock, and I was like, "Sunday? Yeah, Sunday." It threw me off. I was I was like, "Y'all open on a Sunday?" Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I come in on Sundays. You know, I, I go to church, I do the service, and then I come in and I'm, I'm working. It was just mind blowing. So. That is possible that it, that that could possibly happen. All right, but we're they, they, we're stretching the truth here. I mean, like this, like yo, the Spurs yo, we giving you this, we just giving you the real, bro. No, it could possibly it's not the happen. real. You, you are you are you're creating potential alternatives here. Like he could have had a doctor's appointment. My doctor just told me, look, the Spurs didn't say that though. The Spurs probably could have come out and said, look, he's dealing with his uh, doctors. They had this sort of like this nebulous sort of statement saying he was returning from injury management. I, I don't even know what that meant when it came to Kawhi Leonard. I don't understand any of this right now. And uh, a weekend doctor visit could prevent him from going to the game. Chris, let know. me, let me ask you this. Yes. How many times have you seen pop hold his tongue or bite his tongue with anything that he had to address or say? Rarely. Okay. So this is the biggest elephant in the room that has to be addressed and do you think for one moment that he would bite his tongue and not say what need to be said going forward wait yes yes i do in fact and when it comes to this i think this is different because if he's truly frustrated by all this and i think he is if he's truly frustrated and has stuff he wants to get off his chest he has to know that he's got to be careful because even if there's even a a slight chance of fixing the situation with Kawhi Leonard to continue to have a relationship with Kawhi Leonard for the next 10 years, as I'm sure they dreamed of doing, you know, before the start of this season. I don't think you want to go out there and just napalm the relationship. Do you? I don't think you want to go out and say something that you might regret in a couple of weeks. Listen, I seen him 
address uh, the presidency. I see him address. Yeah, but uh, that's different. I've seen him address players in the moment. And the thing that stuck out to me as a free agent and why I always thought that I'd be in a Spurs uniform, but other things and other opportunities presented itself that I just went that direction is that Tim Duncan had always told me when I went there to visit in free agency one time. Mm -hmm. He said, Pop is just – He's going to give it to you right on spot. He's not going to hold what he has to say. He don't care. He yells at me. Yells, but is he yells that private, Karan? Karan, is that behind the scenes or like publicly? But even if that conversation was had to a degree, we would have known. We we would know. Like we would know. Like you know, because everything else about Kawhi is being leaked out. Right? Tony right. Parker coming saying, "Look, my injury was way worse than it." He he could be like, you know what? Pop talked to Kawhi. That would have been like, look, Pop talked to him, and they got to understand it. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And that understanding, now we would have been like, hey, Pop, did you talk to Kawhi? Yeah, I talked to him, and he knows how I feel. Like, that, something to that degree would have been put out there. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't think that it's a real – I don't think it's a real issue. I really do believe that that young man is just trying to get healthy and let him heal. Like I, I just think that's the like he he don't under, he's frustrated. Is it therapeutic to be on the sideline while you're frustrated? Like that's not going to help him. So Pop probably like you know what? Look, you stay with your team where you're comfortable and just get healthy. Who do you think though is closer to making a return, Steph Curry or Kawhi Leonard? Steph Curry. Steph Curry is well, out there running. Maybe. I mean, maybe, but Kawhi, so isn't Kawhi Leonard. Like, he's working out with the team. He's just, or, or he was. Remember, Karan, we were like, what was it uh, three weeks ago, we were talking about a scheduled return date for Kawhi Leonard. So he, he was building up towards a certain point, and then they scrapped that. He went back to New York. So he's, you know, whatever he's feeling right now, there's, there's, he, he's getting closer to being 100%. He's just not all the way there yet. That, that's another part of it, too. Yeah, no doubt. But I, I see, like, there, I haven't seen any footage of Kawhi warming up or anything. But hey, the thing, see more footage of Markel Fultz than you do Kawhi Leonard with the Zapruder film out there. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, as players, this is what you learn, like, with teasers and everything. If you're close, like, if you're really close to playing, you work out in front of the audience because all facilities – have like a practice court where you can be in the back shooting around and working on your craft. When you come out to the stage, the center stage where you're going to play in the actual game and you want fans to see you and you want the audience to see you and it's a national televised game, which all playoff games are on one level, whether it's NBA TV or ABC or TNT, you're going to see the guys out there. You know what I mean? And that's what Steph Curry did. He, he came on the court to let everyone know, just so you, uh, just so you know, I'll be back real soon, and this, mm-hmm. and this is how I'm moving. I'm moving pretty good with this brace on. Yeah. All right. Take one more phone call on this. Jacob in Florida, you're up next. Hey, Jacob. Jacob, you there? Hey, how's it going, man? What's happening? Hey, uh, I really think. I mean, what is the one thing that the Spurs and that Pop hates more than anything? It's the distractions. That's what the organization is known for. So why would I think if if Kawhi came back and he's sitting on the bench, that's all Pop's going to have to hear is is questions about Kawhi. So to me, it would make sense that Pop or the organization would tell him, unless you're 100% going to play and give it your all, stay away. I think it comes down from Pop. All right. Thanks for the phone call, Jacob. Let me ask you this, Karan. Um, 
Is the distraction stuff real? Like, I always wonder this as a media member. Like, when media members sit there, and let's say Kawhi was there, and Pop gets asked four or five different ways about Kawhi Leonard, how much of that affects the locker room? I think Jake just nailed it. I think he okay. really did because you, you you have to, and we just talked about it, you know, prior to him coming on, was it's a battle within the battle. Meaning, like, look, we got a game plan. We got to go through walkthrough. We got to talk about tendencies and, and th- all the things that we didn't do better. And then on top of that, we have to battle the question or the, the presence of, you know, our guy being you, not being available. So we have to continue to deal with this. Like, it's, that's a lot. There, it really is a lot. And, you know, with an organization like the Spurs, one, they're, they're, really, they're really tight with what they release or what they want to talk about. So they probably like, look, Kawhi, look, this if you're not gonna play, look, this get healthy, stay away, do what you need to do, and let the guys, you know, support the guys from afar. We know you with us. You've been with us. You're you've been the, the, the finals MVP. You helped us win a championship. You're a big part of everything successful that we had going on for the last couple of years. This get healthy. Yeah, I think there's something more there. I think we're going to hear about it, Quran, in the next couple of weeks. Something is going on there that's uh, that that we're not hearing about uh, right now. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe he winds up on the bench in, before game two, or maybe he's back game three in San Antonio, uh, sitting behind the bench that, there. It's great. That, that's the thing right there. I, if yeah. he if he's not on the bench in San Antonio, that's okay. when I'll ask that question. Okay. That that yeah. Well, we'll see what happens in game three in San Antonio. All right. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine is the phone number. Eight seven seven. Nine nine six six three six nine. We come back. There was a lot of firings in the NBA. Head coaches, coaches out of jobs. Even more could be out of jobs. We could have as many as a third of the league change coaches before the start of next season. What's the best job out there? And what about the Knicks? Where do they stand in all this? We'll talk about that next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. You're fired. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer makes it easier to protect what you love. Just go online, compare quotes, and choose what's right for you. Progressive.com is your home for all things home insurance. Oh, yeah. Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. You can keep your Beyonce, Karan. Give me Tom Petty all day long. All day long. Oh, yeah, you like that, huh? That's what I'm talking about. You can't really dance to it necessarily, but uh, that's how I roll. Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> gangsters don't dance, we boogie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, so, Karan, the the number of potential coaching changes this year is enormous, like, I, I was making a count the other day, and we've already seen a handful of them. Charlotte just fired Steve Clifford. The Hornets let go of Jeff Hornacek. Now we're reading that Mike Budenholzer could be gone in Atlanta. Uh, uh, obviously, we've got Phoenix looking for a new coach. Milwaukee, which is uh, in the middle of a dogfight right now with Boston, uh, they could have a new coach next season. You get as many as a third of the league could change coaches before the start of next year. But the most interesting one to me is the New York Knicks. Now, for years... The Knicks were looked at as kind of a crappy coaching job. Yeah, they paid a lot of money, but the roster, it stunk. They were kind of mismanaged. Now, you've got a team that 
has a legitimate franchise player in Kristaps Porzingis, has a good point guard, young point guard, in Frank Nielakina, has another top 10 pick coming this June. All of a sudden, you've got kind of the foundation there. You're not dealing with the Carmelo drama anymore. you got the foundation there for something real. I mean, do you think the Knicks, if you're a prospective coach out there, are you interested in that Knicks job? Absolutely. And listen, at so many times we saw like we we we've seen in this in this Knicks situation where the person that would be like the perfect fit for the job they they kind of go the other way for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's been a, a long time now that we have to address the realness of the situation and if I'm Dolan and I, and I'm looking at this, you know, this this organization and you know, a winning culture going forward and a young nucleus and having Porzingis, I'm thinking who who else better to put in that seat than Mark Jackson? Like he would be not only would he be great for that the young nucleus, I think that he'll be great for the city as a whole, being from near St. John's and the connection and, you know, everything that he that he represents, this speaks uh, class and excellence and just someone that you can really learn a lot from. He's the perfect candidate for that job. You think so? I, I have my doubts there. Go ahead. I, I, I question that a little bit. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what Mark Jackson as a coach and I say this respectfully, but I don't know what he's good at. Like, I don't, you know, sometimes you look at coaches and you say, all right, that guy, like look, Brad Stevens, for example. Brad Stevens is a tremendous kind of mind at work there. Um, you know, what he's accomplished in Boston, it, it, it speaks for itself. Even if in the assistant ranks, like let's go up to Portland, David Vanterpool, who I know has a proven track record of of helping young guys develop. I like him a lot. Charlotte, Steven Silas, a guy I have a lot of respect for, um, works well with young players. You know, Mark Jackson, you know, went to Golden State for a few years. It was turbulent, as you know, out there. It was a very it wasn't the most stable situation. And when he left, granted there were roster moves, but when he left, what Steve Kerr did kind of helped that team take off. So I don't know if it's, you know, I understand the connection, former Nick from the area, but if I'm the Knicks, I want to bring in the best player development coach imaginable, and I don't know if that's Mark Jackson, Cron. I don't know if he's the right guy there. You you speak player development, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm glad I got two minutes to say it. Yep. If you look at what Steve Kerr inherited, I don't, I don't, if, if Mark Jackson was still in that seat, they was going to win a championship. You think so? You think they would have won? I know so. Okay. I know so. With no injuries, they was going to win. You know, because we won the the first Pacific Division title in Clippers history. And when we saw the Golden State Warriors, we said, you know what? In in our in our rearview mirror, we was saying, look, that team is on their way. Mark Jackson got those guys committed. They're dialed in to getting better. And he can identify talent. He was saying the Splash Brothers before anybody else was saying it. When he had a a, a press conference and he said, look, I have the best shooters in NBA history on my team. Everybody thought he was crazy because he can identify talent. He's an ultimate motivator. He has the respect of his team still to this day. 
and he handled that situation with class. And most importantly, he he has the experience to lead and make things happen. People respect his opinion, him and Jeff Van Gundy so much on air. That's why people view the games and they they receive the information of what they're talking about. I know Jeff can get out there at times, but it's it's a it's a great listen because the basketball knowledge of those two guys, just like the people that's listening to us right now. <laughs> they know we they know we great at what we do. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of knowledge right here. Hell yeah. That's right. That's right. Facts. I I want to get get into that in the next hour with you a little bit because um I have some I have some more questions about Mark Jackson. And I base this Quran honestly on conversations I have with other executives about Mark Jackson and why he doesn't have a coaching job right now. We're going to get into that next. A uh, lot more to get to. Talk some more NBA including Kawhi Leonard, his situation, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote today. What's happening, Karan? Hour three here together. What's up? Everything. Watching a little <laughs> bit of hoops. I'm wa- hey, I'm watching the Bucks right now against Boston. Yep. Hey, it's going shit. down. Yeah. Well, look, the Celtics, we knew coming into this postseason – that finding offense was going to be a problem. Like, where were they going to get consistent offense? When they were winning games over the last month, they were getting kind of, you know, over-their-head performances from Terry Rozier. Uh, You had uh, Marcus Morris making a lot of shots. But over the last week or so, we've seen them kind of come back down to earth with some of their offense. Now, with no Kyrie for the rest of the season, Marcus Smart's out to at least, he said today, Game 7 of this series probably uh, into that second round, their margin for error offensively is so slim. They're going to have to do some stuff through smoke and mirrors because from a talent perspective, Karan, Milwaukee's got them. Milwaukee's the seventh seed, but right now with the guys they're putting on the floor, to me, they're the more talented, talented team. Yeah, and you know what? They got home court. They're still playing in the, the TD Garden, and yep. you know that's, that's special, and that's something that you can't take for granted. And, you know, as you touched on, you know, Brad Stevens is, you know, a great guy that, understands the, the adjustments of the game. So Yeah, he's a he's, wizard. Yeah, he's going to continue to do, make adjustments on the fly and keep them coming at you. So if you can make it a possession ball game at home, you got a shot. All right, we'll get into what we're going to see later on today. I want to talk more about the Cavaliers. I also want to get into Kawhi Leonard, his injury. What does that mean for the Spurs? Why wasn't Kawhi Leonard with the team? We discussed that uh, at length uh, in the last hour. But yesterday, Karan, we had a good slate of games there. And we haven't touched on the 76ers, and I went into that series thinking Miami had the best chance of any team in the postseason of uh, of getting an upset. Look, I, I thought the Heat, because of their experience, Eric Spolster on the sidelines, they had some pieces there. Hassan Whiteside could defend Embiid when he came back. I thought Miami could split in Philadelphia, and that give them some momentum to pull off a series win. I'm not so sure after watching the 76ers play in game one. I thought the Sixers might be a little bit rattled by the moment. They weren't. They looked like they'd been in the playoffs three years running. Ben Simmons was great. J.J. Redick was great. All throughout, they got great performances. I thought Philadelphia was the most impressive team in the first day of the playoffs. Hey, listen, they, they look like poised season vets yeah. out there. And, you know, as good as Ben Simmons was and the pace and the environment in Philadelphia, you got to give a ton of credit to the others. And what I mean by that is you, you're thinking about Ursan Ilyasova, you're thinking about 
uh, Marco Bellinelli and you two ex Hawks. The ex, the Atlanta Hawks are having an impact on this postseason. A huge impact. And then JJ Reddick, you know, knocking down shots everywhere, just doing the three Stooges on us. Which way did he go? Which way did he go? Like having fun, just doing everything. Like it was just special just to see everyone ready for that moment. You know, I thought the mistake that Miami made in that game is not going to a hack of Simmons or a hack of Markel Fultz at some point. Look, I know that might not be Eric Spolster's thing, but when Philadelphia started rolling there and the Heat couldn't get any stops, it seemed to me like the right thing to do would be to hack these guys who are shooting, I think, Simmons in the mid-50s from the free throw line and Fultz under 50% from the floor. I would have fouled them and made them make some free throws. Well, it's a good thing that, you know, the the playoffs isn't like, you know, March Madness, where, you know, you're one and done. So you, you're going to have the opportunity to make adjustments, and this team has to beat the Miami Heat three more times. And mm-hmm. in game one, you know, I've been a part of games where you get you get blown out a game and then you make the proper adjustments, and then the following game you come back and you do exactly what's necessary and you walk away with a quality win. So – you know, they got some championship pedigree guys in that locker room. Udonis Haslam, Dwayne Wade. Udonis not playing much, but his voice is huge. And, you know, when he talked, they listen. So it's going to be some adjustments made. All right, so you watch that game. What kind of adjustments can Miami make, though? Because it seemed like you know, even when the ball was going in the bucket, the Sixers were getting out in transition. And I don't know how you... I don't know how you compete with that. It's like I didn't think what Miami was doing fundamentally was wrong defensively. They weren't playing up on Ben Simmons. They weren't playing up on Markel Fultz. They were just, a, you know, Simmons was just reading the defense and carving them up. I don't, I'm not exactly sure what adjustment they make outside of Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside not sucking in the next game. They'd like them to be better in the next game. Yeah, that's huge because they can't afford to not be exceptionally well on the offensive end of the floor. And, you know, they got to guard movement better. You know, it was too many times that when you looked up, you saw great movement, great movement in Philadelphia. Yeah, Yeah. Philadelphia had great movement. So how do you stop that? Well, you get into the bodies of them. You know, you, you cut off that real estate. And, you know, every time you look up, you can't have Ben Simmons swinging on the rim. rim. Mm -hmm. You know, those things that you can control. Like, you can control your effort and energy. You know, now if they're making shots and guys just having those out of body performances, that's something that you just got to live with. The basketball guys touch that team that day and they they're in a the rhythm, they're in the flow. But it's certain things that you can discourage, and you know you have to impose your will on the game. And I definitely believe that it'll be a different defensive game for them as well as an offensive game. Game two. Let me ask you this: when you, when you've played for you know good playoff teams and you lose a game, and you lose when your stars play terribly. Do, does, do you feel better about your chances to win that next game because you can assume that your stars, and in this case it's Dragic and maybe even Whiteside, are going to play better, or is it the opposite feeling? Yeah, you know, I, I feel really confident uh, about our chances going forward because I'm like, you know what, they're going to come out and they're going to be a better version of their self. Now all we have to do is really address the issues that, that hindered us. You know, and if they compete at a high level, if I get the other guys to do what they did last game and compete for 48 minutes, and then also my my best players are at their best, that give us a, a fighter's chance to uh, win the game. Yeah, I'm, that's a big one. For my game two for Miami is going to be huge because Joel Embiid has already been ruled out uh, for game two. If Embiid's out and he comes back for game three, I don't, I don't know how Miami can rally and uh, win a series like this. But that's the interesting part of the bracket, isn't it? Because Philadelphia 
I mean, they could roll all the way to the conference finals without being, you know, seriously challenged. I mean, the Sixers, if they win that series, they get the winner of Boston, Milwaukee. They avoid Toronto, Cleveland, those two teams, the other side of that Eastern Conference playoff bracket. So the Sixers can go from a team that, what, two years ago had 10 wins to a team that can make the conference finals. Unbelievable. Yeah, it really is, but you know that's the that's the process and respecting the development of the guys on the fly and you know getting better relatively quick and you know you you, you draft guys and you bring guys in that's ready to play at a high level immediately and that's exactly what you see with the Seventy Sixers. Yeah, uh, well, uh, we'll talk more about that series as it goes forward. Boston and Milwaukee head to the half. Milwaukee, just a three-point lead. This is where coaching, by the way, Karan, comes into effect. I mean, Brad Stevens being there. I know I praise Brad Stevens a lot on this show, but I think he's an excellent coach, an excellent you know, guy that can break down, uh, not, not break down plays, but come up with out-of-timeout plays that are terrific. And in Milwaukee, you've got Joe Prunty, and I like Joe Prunty, but he's an interim coach who's a, a veteran assistant, longtime assistant, uh, you know, coaching matters in the playoffs. Let me ask you this then. In in the postseason, if you've got a great coach on the sideline, how impactful is it for a team? It's huge because you, you, you need someone that can adjust on the fly, right? So you need someone that can be in the moment, but at the same time uh, understand and see the big picture. And if you don't make those proper adjustments on the fly, you know, it, it can cost you. You know, because winning in the playoffs – you need a few things. You need a little, you know, you need guys to be special. You need a little bit of luck. And you need a little bit of, you know, pretty much everything sometimes for things to line up and for you to have a realistic shot at winning, you know. So a ball got to bounce your your way. You got to have one of those calls that could have went either way, but it favored you. And you got a little bit of luck from the basketball gods and all those things in order to win because – Guys are so dialed in from a, a, a KYP standpoint, and that's know your personnel, where you know they're going to be uh, dialed into the tendencies of the player, the team, and the flow and everything. So you need some things to work in your favor. Who was the best playoff coach that you played for? I had I had two guys that was just remarkable, and mm-hmm. you know Pat Riley was one of them, and then the oh, other one true. was yeah. Rick Carlisle. Yeah, those are those are two guys that are. Elite, but did did they change in the postseason? Or just because you trusted them more? Why was what made them so great? That's the, the things that we talked about with Mark Jackson. I, I think it was the respect. Uh, they was the ultimate motivators, and I think they had the experience of, you know, being on the being in the toughest games before or playing in the toughest games themselves. Uh, you know, Rick Carlisle, you know, being a champion, uh, won one with Boston. And, mm-hmm. you know, Pat Riley, his championship pedigree and, you know, the just identifying situations, understanding, like going into the, the situation of a game seven or a game three or going to the first road game on the road in the playoffs and already identifying everything that we pro- possibly could address and having a plan for it. It was just amazing just to see them at work. Now, I'm going to stop you here, though, because I think you just put Mark Jackson on the same level as Pat Riley and Rick Carlisle. Hey, look, I said I mentioned him in the same breath by saying <laughs> that he's a guy that's like an ultimate motivator, experience, and the respect of the players, and you need that. Like, oh, for, for, okay, but let, let me ask you this though: if look, you think Mark is is an excellent coach? I really okay. do. Okay, but he was let go in 2014. We're now in 2018. To my knowledge, 
I don't think he's even interviewed anywhere. And if he has, it's one or two teams. Why do you think that teams aren't interested in him? I think they are interested. I think Mark's Well, been, they're not interviewing him, though. I like, think he's not... been doing an excellent job on that on that sideline, you know, with uh, ESPN. But come you like Chris, you know better, man. You know how this thing worked. You know, Mark Mark Mark's done a amazing job, you know, in the association and he had that team poised and ready to win a championship. So whether Steve Kerr or Chris Mannix or Karan Butler or anybody was on that sideline, they was gonna win that championship next year because they were just more talented than everyone else. They was just ready for that moment. And Nobody, they, they nobody's was, listening to me, that's yeah, for sure. I, they I was, could not coach that team. They was poised and ready for that championship run no matter what because he got them there. You know, like mm-hmm. he inherited that team. He got them. He got them prepared, got them battle-tested with the battles with the Clippers and et cetera in the Western Conference, and they was ready to be a better version of themselves. Like people forget rather quickly Everything that he, you know, the adjustments that he made and got them to that point. Like, all of a sudden, it's just like, yo, Steve Kerr is just great. He's amazing. Like, he inherited an amazing team. Like, no knock to Steve Kerr. I, I respect mm-hmm. him. I love him. You know, he's a great guy. Always uh, give us the best interviews, and, and he's honest and straightforward. But at the same time, I th- I think he'll be he, – he'll tell you himself. Like, look, I inherited a great situation. I really did. Like, and people just – Throw that out the window like Mark Jackson didn't get those guys to that point. No, I think he did help get them to that point. But I'll ask you again there. It's been four years since then. I mean, how many coaches have been hired in between now and then? I mean, what does it say that that nobody's trying to hire him? That says that it it, it's a lot of people out there that's not making the best decisions for their organizations. Mm -hmm. That's what it that's what it says to me. Like if you look at, you know, uh, uh, Jerry Stackhouse and look what he's been able to do in the G League. He's probably going to get a job. Should, but hey, say say he don't. Then what? Say if Dave Fisdale don't come up and get a job and you see what happened in Memphis. Was it him or was it the personnel? Because he had those guys competing and he had them working hard and he had those guys, he was holding them accountable. He was there on the sideline with the Miami Heat and Eric Spolster and respected by one of the godfathers of the game and Pat Riley. You know, so what, like, Sometimes the best people for situations don't get the job. You know, it's and we know this, and let's let's just call it spade for spade. Sometimes it's the best mascot. Sometimes you can put the best person in that seat where they're gonna just listen and, and follow suit, but mm-hmm. not gonna be out there trying to be a leader of men, young men, young multimillionaire men, you know, that's gonna, you know, challenge you at times and you're able to handle that. That's the I don't I want to stick with this, and we'll talk more about Kawhi Leonard, too. Also, the Cavaliers, they open up the postseason today. What kind of switch can the Cavs flip? We'll dive into that a little bit later in the hour. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. 877-996-6369. It's Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Maddox, Yahoo Sports. Karan Butler, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA champion. Go. Here in studio. Go. 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 Go, shorty. It's your birthday. Go party like it's your birthday. It's like Ron Butler at 50 Cent. Can't really hey. tell right now. Hey, we vibing today, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm so excited. You can find me at Fox. Hey. And we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. There's a good debate in the last segment, Ron, about Mark Jackson. My issue with Mark, and it's not an issue. I don't know Mark Jackson all that well. But my, my thing is that 
you know, you brought up some some other coaches. You brought up Jerry Stackhouse and and David Fisdale. And what separates them or what's going to separate them over the next uh, couple of weeks is that Jerry Stackhouse, I know, is going to get multiple interviews. Jerry Stackhouse, I know, is going to interview in Orlando. There's a lot as a connection there with the, the Magic uh, uh, President Jeff Weldman. I'm pretty sure that Jerry Stackhouse is going to interview both in New York and in Charlotte. Jerry Stackhouse in demand. I think the same for David Fisdale. Despite how it ended in Memphis with David Fisdale, my sense of it is that he's going to be able to kind of write his own ticket. Like if he wants to work for a particular team, he's going to either be first or second in line to get those jobs. I don't get that sense from teams and Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, I think, is going to interview for the New York Knicks job. I don't know the interviews anywhere else, Karan. And, and like I look at those facts and I say there's something about Mark Jackson that teams don't don't want, that they don't want him to be in their mix. I, 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 I can only look at what the last four years have been like. Mark Jackson had a good run in Golden State. Everything you said about what he did there is accurate. But since then, I, there's not been one job that he's interviewed for. And, and Mark Jackson, you know, wants to be a coach again. And he's not interviewing for jobs. So, I, I mean, what does that say if if teams are just not going to him and ask him to even interview for a job? They're missing out. Okay, They're I mean that's fair. Out. Like yeah. that's a fair a fair perspective. I just they just they, there's no real interest in him outside of New York right now. Yeah, I think I think teams are just missing out. I think I think they really are. Just just like when you you look at a draft and you know Donovan Mitchell slides to where he's slid to. And the the evaluators are people that's, you know, analytical driven people, you know, that can't really, you know, dive into, you know, the talent or the, the layers of a person, you know, because like when you when you when you look for talent, whether it's uh, a, a coaching or, you know, uh, a player to be on that platform and be, you know, continue to excel and be great, you know, you're looking for things like professional like words like that stands stands out or respected mm-hmm. or you know driven uh motivator you know you look for experience you know and what separates them from the pack and you know um all those things and and I think Mark Jackson's uh Mark Jackson checks off at all those he checks the box off at at, at all those and and you also look at you know the last 2 years with you know the Golden State Warriors his record was you know, ninety eight and sixty six. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, come on, bro. Like that's that's a, that's amazing, and that's in the Western Conference. And I just think that he 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 he's an amazing motivator. And you know, like I watched him from afar, and I watched him in action live. You know, competing against him, and I seen the way that those guys competed for him. And there's just no reason why he shouldn't be on that sideline. What did you think? You mentioned that you, you, you were playing against Mark Jackson coach teams. One of the arguments against Mark over the years, and this plays into something that Steve Kerr did after the fact, is that his offenses were too simplistic, that it was a lot of just Curry, Clay Thompson, isolation-heavy stuff, basic stuff, that it, for, it was easy to kind of decipher 
for an opposing team to figure out that offense. Steve Kerr came in and mixed it up a little bit. A lot more movement in the Steve Kerr offense. You know, playing against his teams, did you notice that at all? You know what? I did, but at the same time, that's that's the growth of it. Because, listen, pa- basketball play. it's only so much that, that the coach puts you in positions to be a better version of yourself, meaning, like, maximizing your strengths. But then it's up for you to improvise. Like, if you're a really good player or a great player or just a professional as a whole, you know, you're going to find ways to make the, the – the, the best plays for your team and your teammates. So if you're out there and you you know you're a pick and roll guy, you come off pick and roll. I mean, you could shoot it every time, but you know you're gonna uh, uh, draw so much attention that you know you need to make the slot pass or the bounce pass to this guy or and 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 that's just reads. It's all reads. Like I, I think the coach can't make the read for you. I think as a basketball player and as a basketball mind. He has to continue to educate you to understand that that's what you need to do as a basketball player. Yeah, coaches evolve, and there's no question. His next job, Mark Jackson, could be a different coach, have different offensive layers to it, and and maybe that'll change things up a little bit for him. All right, eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine is the phone number. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Let's go to Jay out in San Antonio. He's got a thought on Mark Jackson. Hey, Jay. What's going on, fellas? Like the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm gonna have to go with Karan on this one because, I mean, if you go to barbershop on the street, you talk to anybody, they'll tell you Mark Jackson would have had about two or three rings. I mean, sometimes the executives are wrong. Example, Tom Brady. I mean, sometimes you'll slip. Steph Curry, he slipped down, he, he, he slipped down in the draft. Sometimes they're wrong. I mean, but you're the first person I've ever heard you and the executive say that Mark Jackson didn't make that team. He made that team. And we know, even in the barbershop, we know he would have had about three or four championships. It's 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 real easy. But well, I'll, I mean, I'll hang up and listen, guys. I, I appreciate the phone call, Jay. I, I don't look. One thing, Karan, I would say is that if winning championships was easy, or no, not winning championships, if coaching superstars was easy, there'd be more than a handful of coaches over the last two decades that have been able to win them, right? I mean, you know, Eric Spolster proved he could coach superstars. Uh, Greg Popovich has proven he can coach superstars. Phil Jackson has proven he can coach superstars. It's difficult. Like Mike D'Antoni struggled in L.A. with with big personalities. It's not easy to coach a team with a lot of stars. Not necessarily for the personalities, but blending together the talents of great players is difficult. I mean, you saw it firsthand. You know how it happened, like in Oklahoma City and in, in Dallas, where you had coaches that 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 stepped up and. And develop these guys together. I mean, I I think it's it's a little bit misleading. Could they have won a championship with Mark Jackson? Maybe, but I, I don't believe that they'd have won three or four championships with Mark I, on the sideline. I do. And and okay. And, and and look at okay. So Steve Kerr goes down, right? Who stepped in when Steve Kerr went down the first time? Luke Walton did, but he was running the Steve Kerr system. Okay. It was, it was Steve Kerr's entire offensive philosophy. Okay. And that and, team come. I think they were came. They came off a championship, right? That was the. Luke Walton took over after they won the championship. I don't know. They they look different. They they Luke Walton came in and they and they won games. It was like they didn't miss a beat. And then mm-hmm. also Mike Brown, uh, you know, he stepped in last season uh for Coach Kerr when he had the, you know, the the physical situation and he didn't miss a beat either. And it wasn't the same initial system that they was running. Yeah, they was doing but it was more pick and roll, you know, heavy, you know, with some of their sets and they didn't miss a beat. You know, they mm-hmm. ran through the Western Conference and, 
and I was watching it, and I and I told someone, I think me and uh uh Michael uh, Rappaport, we was talking, and he was like, "Yo, this is amazing." You know, Coach Kerr might not come back, and Mike Brown said, "Listen, I'm telling you right now, Steve Kerr, if he if he had on a pair of blue blockers, and they had to set him literally in the chair, he's going to be on that sideline to coach this team in the finals, because no matter what, he's not going to let." Mike Brown lead the squad because then it's like it's going to be evident that look anybody pretty much can coach the team because they're 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 a a, a well oiled team that's just ready and poised for a championship run. Now this is no knock to Steve Kerr like he's a great coach, championship pedigree as a player and a coach. All we're saying is that look, Mark Jackson got them to the point where look they police themselves. They know exactly what they need to do. You can give a clipboard to Andre Godala in the huddle, which Steve Kerr's done, and they performed exceptionally well. So they're at that place where they just they they know exactly what needs to be done. This is barbershop talk. This is radio talk. <laughs> this is I mean, <laughs> however you want to give it, like this is what it is. Like this is just the facts of the case. You know, like you, you can't deny it. Like it is it, it is what it is. All right, we'll talk more about this. Get back to your phone calls as well. But first, let's check in with David Gascon, see what's happening out there. What's up, David? Gentlemen, Eastern Conference first-round matchup is as good as advertised right now with Milwaukee and Boston going back and forth. Henson at the high post, back door. Jabari caught it and slammed it. Bucks up 10. This run is now 26-4. to On a bad run and off on the Bucks radio network. They're tied right now at 51 apiece. There's 737 to play in the third quarter. That's only game one. Pacers and Cavaliers will get their game one series underway following this one. Jazz Thunder tonight, and they get the nightcap. I know you guys will have to stay up for this one. Houston and Minnesota tip-off time is at 9 o'clock Eastern with the Rockets hosting game one. In Major League Baseball, guys, we had four games now that are postponed because of bad weather. Tigers, Yankees, Blue Jays, Indians, Cubs, Braves, and now the list includes the Angels and the Royals. So no Shohei Itani today on FS1. That's unfortunate. Noah Syndergaard is throwing darts right now. He's got nine Ks in four innings. Mets leading the Brewers one to nothing in New York. Orioles got a RBI double in the first inning for Manny Machado, and it's held up so far. They're in the fifth inning. Orioles one, Red Sox nothing. Pirates on top of the Marlins three to one, and the Nationals behind a Bryce Harper home run, his seventh of the season already. Leading the Rockies one to nothing in the NHL. We're about thirty minutes away from the puck dropping in Philadelphia. Game three, Flyers and Penguins get the Jets and Wild tonight. Vegas is in Los Angeles against the Kings. It's Chris Gron, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star NBA champion, joining you here uh, on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 50% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So, Karan, later on tonight... Uh, your old teammate, Russell Westbrook, in action, and they go up against Utah. And that's, you know, I would favor Oklahoma City home court, but kind of a pick em series there, 4-5 matchup between those two teams. I wrote something earlier in the week that, it, you know, uh, if you look at the landscape of the NBA right now, t- players with the most pressure on them, I think there's a lot of pressure in this postseason on Russell Westbrook. Not because of 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 what he's he's capable of doing, like individually, but the ramifications of this playoff for Oklahoma City are huge. If they go deep into the postseason, chances are, nothing guaranteed, but chances are you can convince Paul George to stay. 
if they get beat in the first round, it doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help Paul George's chances of sticking around in Oklahoma City. I think there's a lot of pressure on Russ because Russell Westbrook's going to be 30 in November. If you know, if, if Paul George walks, he could spend the next three years in Oklahoma City, his prime years, basically competing for playoff spots. If Paul George stays, you tweak that team a little bit, and all of a sudden you're a team that competes for championships over the next three years. So I think of anybody in the postseason, Russell Westbrook has the most pressure on him. And with that being said, why not? Who's the guy that you would bet your bottom dollar on when all the pressure and everything, all everything is just lined up against him? And I would say Russell Westbrook because he's a guy that's going to go out there you know, from a mentality standpoint, closest thing to, you know, Kobe Bryant from a mentality standpoint that we've seen, you know, in this new era, he's a guy that's going to go out there and let it hang. You know, he's going to let it hang all out, and that's what you can respect about him. That's what I love about him and respect about him. And he's going to give you a fighter's chance. And, you know, I got OKC winning this series. Mm -hmm. I do. I got them winning this series. I got them winning in seven. I got them, you know – uh you know, causing a lot of chaos in the playoffs. If health, if healthy, they can scare a lot of people. Oklahoma City won 47 games last year, Karan. They won 48 this year, despite the addition of George uh, and Carmelo Anthony. Did you think their regular season was a disappointment? Nope. I just wanted, I just wanted to see them develop some type of chemistry and some type of flow to them which they did in spots of the season. But I, I wanted to see a little bit more flow coming down that home stretch and then them coming into into uh, the playoffs with just an understanding that, you know, this is what you do, this is what I do, this is – and now you see that. You know, I felt like you saw that in the last game in particular where Russ had uh, got the triple-double and averaged the triple-double for the, the second consecutive time, you know, in NBA history, being the first to do that. And then, you know, Paul George is playing just amazingly well. And, you know, Carmelo, I feel like he's going to be the X factor, you know, in, you know, uh, Series 1 and, and, and Series 2. Yeah, I was waiting for that surge at the end of the year from them, and I just didn't see it. I mean, they, 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 they won a bunch of games, I think, at the end of January, lost some in February, won some more in March. Then the end of the season kind of, you know, encapsulated what Oklahoma City, you know, kind of was. They lost three straight. And then they won three straight. You, you just never saw that that type of consistency from them, though. Are you of the belief, though, that like like I sort of you know speculated that if this team goes deep in the playoffs, Paul George stays. If they don't, good chance that he walks. Do you buy that? Yeah, you know what I I think it, it's really not going to. And I think I read it somewhere. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure. Don't quote me on it. But I probably I, wrote it. It's okay. I, you can just I, say it. I think I read it somewhere <laughs> where he said. What him staying or leaving is not gonna, is like the playoffs is not gonna matter. You they, think that's true though? You believe him? Yeah. You know what? I think his decision is made mentally already. Okay. You know, like I I really do feel like Paul George and his camp know exactly what he's gonna do going forward right now today. Really? I mean, yeah. Like right now today, I think he know in his heart of hearts what he's gonna do. Right now, today, next season, and in free agency going forward, like I, I would think, I think he does. I, I think LeBron knows. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think guys go like 
really, like I think it's a sound bite. I don't think people mm-hmm. really go into the playoffs and be like, oh, you know, just one day at a time, see what, like, you, you know. Right. You know what you want to do, and what, and it's your decision. You know. That's interesting because I would – I mean, this is probably the biggest decision that Paul George is going to have to make, right? I mean, he's, what, 27, 28 years old. Um, the next contract he signs is going to take him through those prime years. And right now, I don't know who the – I don't know who the best option is out there for him. Is it? I mean, L.A. closed the season pretty strong, but does Paul George go to L.A. unless LeBron comes with him? Does Paul George want to play with LeBron? I also don't know about his relationship with Russ. Like, it seems like it's pretty good. And one thing people don't know about Paul George is that he's kind of a homebody. Like, you give Paul George, like, a lake behind his house, and he's happy for, for all of his days. All he does, wants to do. All he wants to do is go out there and fish. But... You really think he's made his call there, that he's decided one way or the other whether he's going to stay in Oklahoma City? Perspective alert. It's going to be really tough for uh, an individual to f- figure out where he is going to make 45 to $50 million a year at for the next five years. This is mm-hmm. this is tough. This is going to be tough. I don't know if I want to make 45 to $50 million a year for the next five years of my life in OKC or Los Angeles. This is this is game changer, man. This yeah. This is so tough. Woo. To but you that think decision. you think he's made that call though already. You think he's already figured it out. Yes. Okay. I really do. Like I, I don't think the playoffs is gonna weigh in that heavy into his decision. I think this, this the decision was made in his head and amongst his camp already. And right now they're just gonna go out there and play as hard as they can. But I think I think the decision is made already. What's going to happen going forward? You think he wants to play with Russell Westbrook the next four years? I think he enjoyed playing with Russell Westbrook. I, I really mm-hmm. do. I, I think that, you know, anyone that's a scorer, like you have to look at, you know, what what's out there. And, like, when you're game planning and you're thinking longevity in this space, you have to think about who you plan alongside and the demand on your body. You know, night in and night out, because people people see one thing. Like we just addressed the forty five to fifty million dollars a year. Yeah, people see that, and and they don't care how you feel or what whatever. They just want the, the results and playing alongside other superstars and guys that you know draw a lot of attention. It's not going to put so much demand on you physically. And you see that with Kevin Durant in, in Golden State. You know, he's playing alongside Clay Thompson and Draymond and obviously Steph Curry, where you know. He he can just, you know, easily, and that's crazy. He's so unique, but he can easily score twenty five to thirty points a night without just pounding himself to death. It's amazing. Before we take a break, let me ask you this: if 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 Paul George does leave, does that reflect negatively on Russell Westbrook having two superstars? I mean, Paul George's not on the same level as Durant, but you know, he's on that the next tier. Having two big time stars walk from you despite being able to make more money staying there within three years does that reflect negatively on Westbrook that's what the storyline is going to be but it will. The yeah, story, right. but the storyline should be that Sam Presley did an excellent job of accumulating talent and getting a rental with Paul George that's what the storyline should be but they'll turn it into Paul George just couldn't have coexist with Russell Westbrook because he's so dominant and he averaged a triple double for a second consecutive year in the NBA history. And wow, who's going to play uh, next to him? And then somebody's going to 
put some other stuff out there. This is going to be madness, but that's what the storyline should be. You just you you just are you writing my column for me, Carl? Is, is that what you're doing sitting there writing my stuff for me? There, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, my friend. All right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, 877-996-6369 is the number, 877-996-6369. We come back. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, noticeably absent from the uh, Spurs bench last night in the blowout loss uh, to Golden State. Do you have a problem with that? Should Kawhi Leonard have been there? We'll dive to that next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. Bye, Felicia. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. That's Tom Petty. Show brought to you by Granger. Products and services you need when you, when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger, are the ones who get it done. So, Karan, we've been uh, spent parts of the last three hours talking about the Kawhi Leonard situation in San Antonio. The Spurs had practice today, and uh, Greg Popovich was asked uh, any chance Kawhi rejoins the team during the series. Pop said, "You'll have to ask Kawhi and his group that question." Come on. Like, you're telling me there's not a massive rift here? Huge rift, Karan. This is a problem. He's not coming back. He's not going to sit on the bench in San Antonio. It's an issue with these guys, this team. There's a, a divide here, man. That's a, that's an honest assessment of the situation. Like, for Should instance, he not know? Should he not know, though, Karan? Should he not know if Kawhi's going to come back? He don't know. Should he don't- shouldn't he? He he don't know. Kawhi's trying to get back healthy. So that's a question that if the media asks a question, they gotta ask Kawhi and the people, his his doctors, because now he has an independent doctor that's representing him now. Like that's that's dealing with him. It's not in house like all other situations. Whereas like what we're accustomed to is okay, uh Kyrie Irving's not playing in the playoffs. Why? We know because Brad Stevens addressed it before Kyrie addressed it. Why did Brad Stevens address it? Because the Boston Celtics medical staff are handling him. That that's why. Like everything's right there in house. They give him the information. They they don't know because Kawhi is trying to get back healthy and he has an independent medical staff that's dealing with him now. Because why? He was misdiagnosed by the San Antonio Spurs medical staff. So that's why we're at this spot. That's why we're at this place. It's okay. It's, it's, it sounds it sounds to me, though, Karan, like, like the Spurs have no idea where Kawhi Leonard is or what he's doing right now. It doesn't sound to me like the Spurs know he has an, had an appointment yesterday and couldn't make the game or has an appointment coming up on Monday and can't make the next game. It sounds like they have no idea where he is or what's going on with him at this point. That you, you asked me to look at, listen to the honest answer. If Pop had said, "Well, he's getting checked out on Monday," I don't know. That 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 we don't know. And and you're right. He's getting a second opinion. He's going through somebody else. But if this was you, wouldn't you be communicating with the team as well? Wouldn't you be telling them? Like, what's going on the day-to-day with all this? Maybe not the medical staff, but at least the coaches with Pop, the president of the team. What was the question? I forget which part I was asking you there. It, <laughs> I think it's, I asked you three questions. No, there. but the question uh, to Pop was what? Oh, to Pop. It was, uh, any chance Kawhi rejoins the team during the series? And he's like, I don't know. You have to ask Kawhi or his medical staff. I, I Do you mean, think it's or, normal or for the group? coach not to know? 
he really don't know if Kawhi is going to actually continue to, to do his rehab or if he elect to join the team. He really don't know yet because they probably already had the discussion of, Kawhi, look, just get healthy. Get healthy, and then, you know, we'll go from there. And obviously he's not healthy yet. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I think the big problem for us as, like, me as well being in this space, we want answers. And we mm-hmm. can't get the answers that we want, so we got to, like, we got to just, like, assume so many things. So we just, like, you know, we're out there with it. We're reaching. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that that answer to me continued to make me believe that there was something going on. There is something going on between Kawhi and the San Antonio Spurs. We'll see if he shows up for Game 2. We'll see if he shows up for Game 3 in San Antonio. Let me ask you this quickly. If he if he's not there for Game 3 in San Antonio, will your opinion on all this change? I, My opinion will. Mm. In San Antonio, if he's not there Game 3, because now you get time. So whether you have you know uh, prior appointments or anything, you will want to be at the home game. So if that – if he's not there, I'll be like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Got to be a little bit more. By the way, Milwaukee down four to the Celtics. I mean, they're not going to win this game. Like, they're just not. End of the third quarter. I mean, come on, Bucks. How are you getting beat by a Boston team that can't score? That's you, going like you Terry said, Rozier jumpers. You said it, though. You know, Brad Stevens, runner-up, yeah. coach of the year, man. Like, that's why I don't think they're going to win this game. Like, they're not. He's doing an excellent job. Runner-up, coach of the year. Brad Stevens is doing Ooh. an excellent job. Uh, I got him as my coach of the year, Karan. I voted for him. I, I like him. it. Put on Petty. I vote. <laughs> <laughs> I got to draw him out. Put him on. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Karan, always good to talk to you, my friend. We'll uh, do this again next Sunday. Appreciate it, buddy. My guy, man. Take care, brother. All right. We'll talk, we'll talk to you guys next week. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, 877-996-6369 is the no phone number. Stick around. A lot more to come here on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut. Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.